Well, hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today for our next episode of Mixed Messages with Jeff Bogue. My name is Joe Caruso, and I'll be your host as we dig into today's topic. Well, from news sources to comedians, from friends to advertisements, it seems everyone has an idea of how we should think, live, and make decisions. And when even the experts sound convincing, but they disagree... How do we cut through the noise? How do we sift through all of the information overload and choose what governs our lives? Our leadership here at Grace has been processing these things and praying for all of us, and so we want to offer a resource to navigate some of the day's most pressing topics and questions. Today, we have the special pleasure and privilege to be sitting with Pastor Brad Dietz Creek, the uh, the Reverend Holy Doctor. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> yeah, not Doctor or Holy, except by Jesus. That's it. That's right. <laughs> and that's the today's topic. We'll see you next time. On that's awesome, Brad. Thanks for joining us today, Thank man. You. I uh, I always love chatting with you and hanging out a little bit. And uh, if you're listening and maybe this is your first time, you may not know uh, the title of this podcast is Mixed Messages with Jeff Bogue because there's another pod, at least one other podcast out there called Mixed Messages. Okay. And we just really liked that topic. And so how do you make it distinct? You say with Jeff Bogue because he's generally the person we're talking to. But today it's not with Jeff. It's with Brad instead. And we're uh, thrilled about well, that. Well, that's good because I, I thought I was in the wrong room for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Mixed Messages with Brad Dietz Creek. <laughs> Uh, so we'll just shift it right here. You heard it first. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. So but it is super good to have you. And uh, one of the things I um, have always enjoyed in talking with you, Brad, is what we're going to really get into here today. Um, it's a big deal. And one of the reasons we had you on is not just because it's a passion of yours, but you have uh, been ministering for, um, I can't believe we're old enough to say this, but for decades mm-hmm. um, with teenagers, with young adults and their parents and everyone else in the church. I mean, I can't imagine how many hundreds, if not thousands of conversations, well, it would be thousands of conversations you've had with people and what you've discovered is it kind of keeps boiling down to this kind of one thing. And so, Brad, help us. There's there's all of these issues that keep bombarding us every day. They are in the face of our teenagers. They're in the face of our young adults. And if we're being honest, they're in our faces too. Mm, for sure. How do we zero all this in? What's one thing that we can kind of latch onto and say, here's where we can go from here to be healthier as Christ followers? Oh, that's, that's a good, it's a big question. And, um, you know, as I spend a lot of time with teenagers and with young people, I don't, don't claim to know a whole lot except for <clears throat> things you just pick up. But, you know, as a person develops, I think there's some big things we can even learn in, the, in who a person is. You know, the biggest question that I think it has to be answered before a person becomes an adult is a question of who am I, you know, one of mm-hmm. identity. And you think, but it's weird in the world that we live in today where we've made this adolescence age group, these teenagers, into a life stage when really it's – I don't think it was ever intended to be. I think it's supposed to be children, adults, and use these years as an on-ramp. And so I always try to look at young people as emerging adults instead of thinking of them as just you know teenagers or think of their own spot. But here, but it's where we are in our world. And but I think the question of who am I is what is the one thing I think is you're looking at a young person really trying to help them to discover the one of identity. And it's funny how it fits like that. So much of our culture um, 
builds up off of the teenage years, mm-hmm. teenage culture. I mean, advertisers, I think they would love to target young people. Teenagers set trends, you know, um, you know everyone's going after them with their social media platforms and, and all those things. But I think it's because it's such a powerful thing because there's so much change that's happening in there as this a little little kid becomes a, you know, a growing adult. So much change, so many big decisions are made. And so I think if we can help them discover who they are, and as Christ followers, I think the great thing is we know the secret to that. It's they're made by Jesus, so we find their identity in him. Then I think that helps us in they're not only answering the developmental questions they have to answer by the time they become an adult, but also helping them with the spiritual thing. Because so many of us, even today, at, I'm 48 years old, there's some times where I, I struggle with questions of identity and who am I. Um, if I'm not careful, I can get off the rails a little bit here and there too. So it's not something that just specific that age group. I think like anything else, we can learn a lot by looking at people that are going through, you know, the crisis of growing up. Yeah. Oh, so good. I, I love that very simple question. It's who am I? And we answer that question one way or another every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the decisions that we make, wh- what we decide to eat that day, wh- how we decide to get dressed, uh, what we said to value, what we read, what we get ourselves into, where we go to work, like one way or another, whether it's intentional or not, we're answering that question. Now, you mentioned like there's a, there's a secret sauce to that. If you know Jesus, he helps you unravel all that. But I want to take a step back from that for a second. Um, in your years of ministry and all the conversations you've had and you pursuing the Lord yourself, how do you help someone navigate that question that that doesn't follow Jesus or doesn't follow Jesus yet? Yeah, boy, that's a it's a um, question, but I think it's um, oh, I think if you uh, sometimes listen more than talk, sometimes giving them the right answers, asking good questions. I feel like um, you know one of the best things I've learned from my wife. I learned a lot of things from her, but is the importance of asking questions. Mm. You know, of how, if you're in relationship with people, friendships with people. People oftentimes don't ask each other questions. What they do is they just want to talk about themselves. And so, but I think if we would look at a person who would not a Christ follower or wherever, or not there yet, um, but have enough respect for a person to actually listen to what what it is that they're looking for, because we sometimes we get caught by things that are right in front of us or things that we perceive, or we might even come up with these pre- preconceived notions because of something we went through. But if we get the time with someone and listen to them, we might start seeing what it is that they're really looking for in life. And and that's where I think trying to connect with what they're looking for, if you can see, it's like, boy, what you're looking for, you can find that here in Jesus, but try to help build those bridges. I mean, Jesus was the master of that when he talked to the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. She was searching for whatever, and she was using um, relationships with men to you know, to satisfy her thirst like that. And Jesus, like, he used that bridge to say, like, listen, <laughs> what I got, I got what I got, what you need, you know, you follow me, you'll never thirst again kind of thing. And I think that's if we can help people to see that not coming at people with that we have all of the answers, because we don't have all the answers, my goodness. Um, but instead with a humble heart, listening to their heart and trying to see what it is that they're really searching for. Because all of us, like you said, we're all finding our identity in things. Some of us, it's it's the things, we, it's the role that we play. Some of us, we let others shape our identity, mm-hmm. right? They, they tell me this is what I am, so I guess this is what I am. Um, but I'm like, boy, there's something a lot bigger than that out there. So if we can connect, I think our goal is humbly to listen and hear people's hearts with a desire to not win them over to our team, mm-hmm. but help them connect their heart to see that there's something that's bigger that's out there um, that they can be connected with and find the answer they're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And in our heart of hearts and our soul, well, that's what, exactly what we're longing for. Um, so, Brad, what what have you seen as some of the like 
the main competitors for identity. We'll start with teenagers, but I want to work on up because yeah. I think, again, this is an important question for all of us. But what are you seeing as some of those main uh, things that are trying to creep in and say, no, I'm your identity? Mm-hmm. Well, of course, success, right? We want to be viewed as, as uh, success. We want people to think highly of us. We want, um, we want people, when they think about us, to have nice things to say or, boy, like, you know, we'd love to walk into a room and hear someone saying, bragging about us. You know, it's like, I'll tell you who's really good at their job is this guy over here. And it's like, oh, man, we feel really good. So a lot of times we do that or we perform to that material like money, right? You know, mm-hmm. how many times are we d- driven by those things? I think sometimes it's our family. Our mm-hmm. family's always pulling us. And so what? I'm a, I'm a dad of four kids. I'm 21 the whole way down to nine. And sometimes I look at my children and I find my identity, if I'm not careful, in being their dad which is a wonderful thing. It's a very noble thing to be a father, but I can't put all my, that pressure on my children to, to give me an identity because, I mean, if, if we're doing it right, they're gonna leave me alone one day. You know, they're gonna go do their thing, you know, and build their families or whatever God has for them or go around the world. And if I build my identity on my role as a dad, then I'm left, I'm left at the end holding the bag. Like, what in the world am I supposed to do now? You know, with emptiness, and um, I think sometimes our marriage even, and marriage is wonderful. I think marriage is a great picture of God's love for us and how two people can demonstrate the love that Jesus has for the world. But if I put that pressure on my wife to, if I just walk that around like, I'm Tara's husband, and like, that's my identity, I just want to do everything I can to, that puts so much pressure on her, it's crippling, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And then that causes worse things to happen. And so I think those are the things, but all the time. And then you get, and I don't even want to mention the, the digital world, Sure. That we're embraced with every day, you know, teenagers spending up to nine hours a day on their on their um, social media or some type of media or whatever. Parents being frustrated with their children because they spend too much time on their phone as the parent is on the phone all the time. Those are just from examples from my own life. So you know, I mean, but those things I think pull us too because when we get on the comparison trap, right? Of like, I want to look at my identity. Here's who I built my. We get on there and we build ourselves up into who we want the world to perceive us as. Mm-hmm. And so we, our identity then is shaped by well, what do other people want for me and how can I impress them? And so we get on the Instagram or whatever and compare our worst, right, to other people's best, or we put our best out there and then other people compare their worst to that. And um, it just leads to nothing but frustration. And you know, and then there's all the areas of sexuality and of cultural things are all pulling for our attention all the time. Yeah, so many of those are really hard. They really wanna swallow you up. You know, as you mentioned the social media thing, I've, I have some close friends and stuff like that where it's almost, they're not necessarily intentionally trying to become social media influencers, but the way they put themselves out there and see, and certainly the amount of time they put into putting themselves out there, it's like, is, is that your identity? Is this the way that you paint yourself to the public eye, everything that you are? And I, I don't know that they would answer yes, but boy, it sure seems like at their heart of hearts it would be. Yeah, and so like, how do you feel when you put a post out there that you think is awesome? Look how great my family is. We all got our matching khakis on and did the jump pose from 20 years ago at the beach. Look how great we look. And people don't give you the comments you hoped for. Mm -hmm. How do you you use that as your barometer, right? Of like, the people accept me and we're frustrated if people don't like, oh, I thought I'd get more action than that or more traction, excuse me. And it's like, what are we doing here? Right. Yeah, it's it's really hard to understand why this is such a big deal. And I think you're you're hitting on it right there with like, if you put your identity in something like likes on social media, then suddenly that changes your value. It changes your worth. If I am 
how many likes I get on mm-hmm. Instagram, if I am how many comments I get on Facebook, or if I am how many retweets I get, and I don't get them, then slowly but surely that starts to creep into our mindset. Mm-hmm. And I know that you have a, a really high view of like who we are as humans and, and how yeah. we're created. Where does that come from, Brad? Like, um, if we're supposed to see ourselves as dignified and worthy, um, where does that come from? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, I love talking about it. It's my favorite subject to talk about because I think it's all throughout the Bible. We see a, a loving God who, when he created mankind at the beginning in Genesis, says, let's make man in our image. You know, So right then and there, we see as, as people, we're image bearers of God. We reflect him in one way or another. And I'm thinking, boy, that's a that's that means I have worth from the beginning. Yeah. You know, like I'm not just um, I'm not just an evolved animal. I'm not just a, you know something um, that's temporary or a mistake or one of seven point whatever billion people. But I'm someone who carries the image of God. And because I think that's why you have human human rights. That's why we care about people in other places because they're image bearers. And so because of that, we're created in the image of God. Well, then I think you go into a book like Psalms. I, love, I always go to Psalm 139 um, where David talks to, talks, to, talks to God and he says, you know, I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And I think about how God is the um, magnificent artist that he is, crafted each of us uniquely and wonderfully and fearfully made us. Where he looks back, I think he looks at what he made and says, I did well in creating that person. So I think in there we find, start feeling like, oh, here's who I am. Well, then when Jesus says to us, hey, come follow me, um, and then when we find it in our life to be able to have someone to follow, and the, but not only are we following him, but we're, we're not just following an idea, following some good teaching, but we're following our maker. And I mean, this, this is the guy who, this is the one who made me. The Bible says that through him, all things that were made were made and you look at him, he's our maker. So it's like, here I am as this created being. And then in Ephesians 2.10, it says that there's purpose that he planned for us from the beginning of time to do. So it goes the whole way through. So I really believe it's like once I know who's who made me and find out who I am in, in Jesus, my creator, um, then I'll know what to do with my life. you know. And so identity comes back to knowing my maker. And so like Tara, my wife, does um, she used to do pottery all the time. And it's like she decided what that lump of clay would turn into. Yep. And so she'll make a coffee mug. Right, so here you go, form that coffee mug. It's it's cool and all that stuff. Well, that, the the maker, not Tara's using clay. God made us out of nothing, but Tara, the maker takes this um, lump of clay, turns it into a a mug, and it has a purpose that you drink coffee out of it. Mm-hmm. Sure, you can use it to eat cereal out of, or you can um, maybe um, have ramen out of a mug. But that comes much better out of a bowl. So it's like when the coffee, ma- if the cup could realize, it's like if the mug could realize, oh, I'm made for coffee to be drank out of. Well, then it's in its right spot. But the only way it knows that is because it has to know what it was designed for and who made it. Mm-hmm. So I think for us as people, if I'm a created being by God, if I have a maker, if I really want to find out who I am or what I'm supposed to do, why would I search inside of my heart? Why would I go looking to other people to tell me? They didn't make me out of the clay. But man, if I can know the maker of the heavens and the earth, who knew me from before I was born, he knows how many hairs are on... Well. Um, something other than hairs, but he knows us deeply. He knows how many hairs are in your beard. <laughs> yeah, there we go. And it's getting whiter every day. Oh my goodness, I'm old. But th- then it's like, man, if I can know the maker, then I don't know what to do with my life. And I think that's why so many of us are struggling right now. Because um, in the times where I struggle is when I start thinking about, instead of looking to God to find my worth and find who I am, I start thinking about culture and my place. And I start thinking about 
um, what other people tell me is, is successful. And then I start real, forgetting what, start questioning who I am and I'm like, I'm looking at other places to satisfy that answer and man, it's frustrating. Because yep. everything lets me down, you know? I love that. I, as you were talking about the artist thing, I was thinking about, like in general, art is this um, almost funny category in our culture, right? Yeah. Like some of us could look at a certain painting and we think it's amazing. And then someone tells us like, actually, that was just 17 bucks at, you know, Target. Like you're like, mm. how? That looks amazing. Like, why is it just 17 bucks? And other times we might look at something and we're like, well, is that even art? And they're like, actually, that's like a $3.2 million piece because it was made by so-and-so. And in both of those cases, the value was determined by the maker. Mm -hmm. You know, like this one was just printed off of the press and there's a million of those copies and that's why it was only 17 bucks at Target and it's only $17 because they're trying to make a profit margin. Yeah. Like, and then this one is a one of a kind by this very unique, very specific artist with a very specific thing and that's why it is multiple millions of dollars. And like, so if we just look at each other as, well, we're just one of the 7.8 billion copies of carbon as we walk around the planet, well, then suddenly it's like, well, no wonder we don't like each other so much. And no wonder we're willing to put our identity in all these different things. But if we see ourselves as being one of the unique pieces of artistry that the creator of all things put it like now it's like, oh, that value skyrockets because yeah. of who made it. We're not forgeries. We're unique art pieces uh, by the creator. So Thanks for opening that up. Yeah, and that's where, like, then you think about this God, this creator, and if you believe what the Bible says, um, he sent his son to pay the price to draw me back to him. Yep. I mean, he, not, he, he didn't just make me for his, I mean, I know I'm made for the glory of God, but he demonstrated his love for me, that while I was at my worst, while I'm at my moments where I'm looking at everything else to satisfy me, he's like, that's when the Bible says, that's when he died for me, and that's amazing. Yeah, and we love those stories, right? Like you see many versions of those stories all throughout the Marvel Universe. You see many versions of those stories all throughout Star Wars. You see them all throughout even sometimes rom-coms and stuff like this where it's just like when son when someone reaches out and says, no, you're worth it. When someone reaches out and says like, no, I want to sacrifice something of my life to do that for you. We're like, oh, that's so touching. Like, oh, that's so amazing. And what you're saying, and I fully agree with, is like God has given that ultimate version of that. But he has given everything for someone, and that someone is you. Yeah. Uh, it's incredible. And we've all felt it before. I mean, I, I, I got a little bit of a situation where I weigh more than I want to weigh. You know, I've got this little situation going What's that on. Like? <laughs> <laughs> it's my situation, and I'm figuring it out. But here's what I've learned about health. And I've done this before with diets and things like that, where you can, you can get consumed with where you're at and think of like, oh, I'm not happy with, you know, but, you know, I mean, with where I'm at. And so what happens is you can go fix it. Well, then you'll. And so you go address that and go fix it or whatever. Well, then you, you've seen people then go too far the other way mm -hmm. where their whole identity is built off on, on how healthy they are. Yep. And it's like it's a it seems like it's a thing that the pendulum that swings back and forth from unhealth to health. But realizing it's like those things are I mean, health is wonderful. But if that's why I put my identity in, what, do you, what happens that day when you can't work out anymore? Right. Then you're lost. Right. And that's just one example. Our kids or something like that. It's like my identity is in my kids. And then all of a sudden they're gone. And it's like. Now what? Right. We have seen that a ton as pastors where whether it's someone they lose their job, like you said, the empty nesting uh, is a really big deal. Graduating high school or graduating college, suddenly something has been stripped from you. And if it was your identity, it rocks you. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that I went through a season of that when I graduated high school or just like everything felt stripped away from me. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I don't know who I am right now. Yeah. 
And the short version of that, by the way, is that's actually how I found Christ. Um, but like we keep putting our faith in the stuff or we keep putting our faith in ourselves and that gets us nowhere. That's not who we are. That's not who we're created to be. Now, I want to um, shift into one of these big cultural ones for just a moment. Um, I think a lot of uh, our culture would look at sexuality mm-hmm. and either argue that that is a, a big part, if not the key of our identity. Um, and I think a lot of the rest of our culture would struggle with, is that a part of my identity? Like, Brad, walk us through that a little bit, because that's a resounding noise that we're hearing from our culture that what you're attracted to, who you're attracted to, how you're attracted, how you feel about your gender, that's who you are. Mm-hmm. How do we navigate those messages? Yeah. Boy, that's a, it's a, a, it's a, um, a tough one, not because it's hard truth. I think it's one because I think of all of us are wrestling wrestling through the identity questions and so when you've put your identity when it comes to a, a an area of sexuality or pre, you know those um, attractions and preferences things like that I think what it can do is it can kind of um, it can kind of you know I don't know blurry up the whole situation and I think again that goes back to what if you do believe that your preference or your, your sexuality or attractiveness defines who you are where are you finding um, you know, where are you going to find that answer? Is it because, well, this is how I feel, so this must be who I am? Is it because this is what someone told me, or this is where I feel most comfortable, or this is what feels most natural? And those things sound wonderful, and that's how we are for a lot of things. But I think there's a higher road, Mm. because I still think you're looking at culture and other things, and even looking at your inside self. And I really believe that we are selfish to the core, right? When it comes to me taking care of myself or other people, I love me first, you know? Um, in words of Terrell Owens, the old football player, I love me some me. I love me. You know, I, the Bible doesn't have to tell me to say, yeah, Brad, love yourself more. It's like, it comes naturally. You know, that's how I feel. But it's like, but what happens is we try to look inside of our heart and all those things for answers. And But we're living in a, in a tough world where we're hitting with these messages all the time. But that's where I think the freedom can come from Jesus. Mm. Because there's something bigger out there that stands above sexuality that stands above all of the cultural issues, the definer, our maker of the universe. Because I believe I'm an eternal being. You know what I mean? As I'm on here to this planet, this isn't the end all, be all. Like for, um, as you think about people in the Bible when Jesus would talk to them, so like in Mark 2 when they layer the, lower the paralytic, they lowered a paralyzed person down to meet him and he's there laying on a mat, his friends had lowered him down there. And Jesus looks at the guy and everyone's, he says, your son, your sins are forgiven. Mm. He said, but so people will believe it, take up your mat and walk. And then he healed him second. But he dealt with the heart first. Yeah. He wanted him to see that there's something bigger out there first. And there could be worse things than being paralyzed. It could be, there's worse things than being lonely. There's worse things than being um, rejected. And there's worse things than, um, you know, just wrestling through who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, what the worst thing would be not knowing who our maker was. So I think if we can rise above that, because... It is a question, the difficulty in our society is it's become a question of identity, right? And, and we can, as people can be, come so hard on, come down on somebody so hard because of their journey and their struggle or whatever. I'm like, but how would I feel if the thing that was so, felt so important to me was all of a sudden being attacked? Yep. Um, it's not about that. It's about loving people and showing them it's like, we're all struggling through this, figuring out who we are. Absolutely. Let's get to our maker and let him work that out in our lives, right? Yep. Let him show me if I'm a mug or if I'm a bowl or a plate, right? You know, I don't know. 
That's which true. is really easy to say, but I, I'm struggle, I struggle every day trying to figure out who it is that God made me to be. Well, and I think that um, that's why it's so important to keep running toward your true identity, which we've laid out here in this podcast, if you didn't know that before. But you can't make a decision, so to speak, one day and say, now I know my identity, so I'll never struggle with that again. No, right? It's something we run toward. It's something we fight for. It's something that um, we prioritize. So that continues to refine and define us as we move forward. Last question, Brad. Are there any like resources, whether it's a key passage or whether it's a book or a podcast that you have found to be very helpful, uh, any type of resources find that, that would help our listeners as they navigate this? Yeah, I think... I mean, there's so many. There's so many good Christian podcasts out there. Where I mean, talk, talk about those things. There's a lot of good books, I'm sure. And may, um, but I, for me, it's 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 going back to the truth of Scripture. You know what I mean? It's like for me, I try to remember. You know, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, Psalm 139, read through that whole passage, and then Ephesians 2, 10. Those are things that are kind of mantras for my life because I don't. Other people have great ideas, and I read through books, all this stuff. There's but there's so much material out there. But it's like. I want to know the maker, you know yeah. what I mean? And so I try to draw back to them. There's a passage in Mark, which I've been telling everybody I'm around, you know, Mark 9, 15. But my quest is um, to be like the people in Mark 9, 15. It says, when they saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder. Oh. And they ran to get to him. They ran to him. That's what I want in my life. So how can I obsess myself with knowing who Jesus is and then run after him? You know, there's a lot of good, but there's a lot of good resources resource out there. I'm not always good at remembering book titles, though. I think it's because I only start like a book like three chapters in and then quit reading it. I feel like it's repetitive now. <laughs> you said Mark 9.15. Mark 9.15. Is yeah, write that yeah. down, guys. Like Mark 9.15, Mark 9.15. Like if that could be the mantra of what we pursue and prioritize, I think our lives would turn upside down. I mean, don't you want to be blown away by the wonder of Jesus? It's like, because he's awesome. I mean, he is. And it's like letting him, letting that then, because it helps you to rise above the stuff that is so superficial and counterfeit. I've had a lot of moments in my life where a version of that emotion has popped up in my life. Uh, it happens almost every time I watch an episode of the uh, the Chosen. Mm-hmm, uh, for there's sure. something fresh about that that just helps. But it's the wonder. It's the it, uh, I love. I'm glad that you brought that. And another thing up. I use real quick too is I listen to a lot of worship music. It's not always my favorite style, and I'm but like for me it works. I look at music as being a, re, a signpost reminding me that I'm not home yet. Mm. It helps me think that there's something better out there, so or bigger. You know, that's really really good. Well, thank you guys for dialing in and, and listening here today. I hope that this was helpful. I hope it was beneficial. This is something that we want to continue to help you navigate, even if today you feel firm and strong in your identity and as a created, uh, loved son or daughter of God. Um, that might be a struggle tomorrow, and that's a part of the journey of being in community as a church. It's part of the journey of moving closer and closer to who Jesus is, and the more that we rest and the identity of who he's made us to be, the more that the rest of it falls into place. And so thank you for listening. And if you have questions, maybe it's about identity or something that we touched on today, you can always submit those at bath.gracechurches.org slash mixed messages. So make sure you send those out. We have a few more queued up. We love hearing from you. And if we can help you take any unique uh, next steps, 
We would love to do that. The heartbeat of this is not only as we navigate these mixed messages, but that we pursue God together. Uh, We'd love it if you'd subscribe, if you'd follow us, if you'd rate and review this podcast, help us continue to get the word out there. So many of you have shared about how helpful these topics have been as you zero in and how to focus on Jesus. So continue to do that with us. And of course, we'd love to have you join us here at Grace if you don't have a church home. And so if you're around the Akron area on the weekend, we'd love to have you pop in. And if you're not in the Akron area, you can always catch us online as well. Well, thanks, Brad, for helping us out today. And thank you, listeners, for jumping in as we continue to seek God's voice through all the mixed messages around us. Catch you next time. Oh. Yeah. Cool. That's it. All right, man.